an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Welcome back to Cold War 187. Yeah, Kimosabi, how are you, Tonto? Uh, well, since I'm no longer Native American, that's been stripped from me. That's mm. kind of hurtful. Mm. But other how does than it that, feel to be a white man again? Uh, not loving it. I kind of like the exotic. You know, I was mm, enjoying mm, that. Mm, uh, mm. Uh, Made anyway. you far more interesting. It, yes. Yeah. So mm. now, I believe it or not, I am less interesting than I, uh, <laughs> than I was. So I think we're talking negative numbers here. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm just me. Uh, just a white white guy. Can't yeah. jump. Can't. White guy can't fly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm just a guy. Yeah. Uh, well, Sorry. Sorry. Yes, we're back. We're back into the uh, CIA episodes. Uh, still going with the CIA episodes, I guess. Yes, we should say. Um, first of all, congratulations to Scotty B. Got himself a job. I see today. Finally, uh, right. I think it's sucking dick under a bridge somewhere in San Jose. But hey, job's a job. You know, we've all been dedication, there. Well, yeah. perseverance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm tired of sending him money. So. I'm glad he's finally gamefully. I'm tired of him not sending us money. <laughs> I've been giving him freebies, uh, you know, That's for fucking a year bridge. now. And, yeah, and well, now got, I thought that he was going to send some of the money from under the bridge to us. Right. Selfish? No. no, no. He just used it to buy crack. I mean, so. Well, that's anyway. what you do. Neil suck crack. Neil suck crack. <laughs> that was your advertising slogan that Barry and Stan came up with. <laughs> That's going to be the title of my autobiography. Neil Suck Crack. Let's get that on a coffee mug with your face. Neil Suck Crack. It'd be, uh, it'd be like me um, looking up at you. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to look at you? Oh, God. Tower <laughs> three, people. It's actually, it's <laughs> minute one. Sorry. We're already... Down the rabbit hole. because we. This is why we shouldn't talk off air. We've been talking off air for twenty minutes, <laughs> warming up. <laughs> Go. Yeah, Go. yeah. Anyway, in nineteen fifty-one. Yes, uh, Ray. The the CIA's budget was ballooning out of control. Right. To fund its massive covert operations, which were all complete disasters, as we know, but they were secret disasters. That's yeah. the thing. If you're going to have disasters, you've right, got to make it. them secret disasters. That's what I try so to no do. one knows. Yes. No. Don't tell your wife. Yeah, yeah, you buy yeah. you buy Bitcoin. The price crashes by fifty percent. <laughs> you don't tell your you don't tell your wife. Yeah, you just going, yeah, yeah, you don't. Yeah. She's like, why are you sending me back out on the street again? You get just because you're so like beautiful. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, you it's your, it's your calling in it's life. This is what God, God wanted, you. wanted you to do. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. You got tough knees and good lips. This is what he wanted Neil for you. suck crack. That's our family motto. Look, it's on our coat of arms. <laughs> Neil suck crack. Yeah, look at my sword. Neil suck. Now, the important thing is I need you to sell the crack. Don't light up the crack. I need you to bring home cash. It's complicated. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to hell. Uh, anyway. Not, not even Congress 
or the president knew about the disasters, let alone the general public had heard about these disasters. They were like, oh, how's how's it going? Uh, swimmingly, how are you? Oh, fucking fantastic, uh, <laughs> right. your, your Grace. No, what do you call your president, your Honour? No, what do they call him in the West Wing? Mr. President? Mr. President, Mr. president. fucking, yeah. oh, fucking. so good, you yeah. wouldn't believe it. You know, we're yeah. so, you're going to get so tired of winning, CIA, yeah. uh, I tell yeah. you. Got it all. Yeah, we're, we're um, yeah, they, everything. As we've seen in recent episodes, they sent thousands and thousands of Koreans and Chinese to their deaths. And, uh, but, you know, yeah. reported back to Washington that everything was going exactly to plan. Peachy Nothing peach. to see here. Everything. No. no. Just yeah. fucking America. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Team America. Fuck hey, did yeah. you we see got- that? Yeah. Did you yeah. see that Apple this week uh, announced these new things called Air Tags? Did you see that? No, no. Well, they're like a little, they're like a small coin, like a like a dime, right? Um, and they're they're like the, the old tiles that have been around for years. They're, they're mm-hmm. like a Bluetooth in them, and you can attach them to things that are lost, and they'll help oh. you find them. I, I think Apple's you know producing a big one for America to put on its democracy because <laughs> we're we're looking. Is that there? Boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still <clears throat> looking for it. And our song. On January 4th, 1951, Beatle Smith, director of mm-hmm. the CIA, appointed Alan Dulles as the CIA's deputy director of plans. What what you you that used to be your title, Ray. Right. Deputy Director of Plans. Yeah. Can you explain yeah. to people what the uh, the the functions are that mm-hmm. uh, the deputy director of plans needs to mm-hmm. fulfill? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it has the it's involved with the overall supervision operation of those who are making specific plans to roll back communism. You're in charge of the Department of coming up with some really good plans that are, that are going to knock the Soviets for six, send it back to Russia where they belong, and and free Eastern Europe. Like I said, like you said, uh, that's been passed on to Cheryl. Good job. I kind of uh, a figurehead now, but that's what I used to do. I used to be over the department that does plans. I don't. Well, now you're plan the director anymore. of plans. Director. You used to be the Thank deputy you. director of plans. Now you've now the direct, you've, you've gone up. Yeah. Dog. <clears throat> well, the title was actually a cover. Because his job was actually chief of covert operations, right? It was it was a covert title for Slide the covert hand. operations guy? Right. Now, if you don't know much about Alan Dulles and you don't remember who he is, we we did do I think a mini uh, mm-hmm. sort of bio on him way 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 back at the dawn of this series, right. one hundred and eighty five episodes ago, right? Uh, or give or take, um, right? But we, we I think in the next episode. We're going to do a big uh, sort of bio. At least I am. Yeah. I don't know what you've yeah. prepared for. Probably nothing. I'm, but on I'm him, along. you'll go along. Yeah, you'll you'll yeah. repeat what I said. Yes. Ever I take a breath, right? Uh, move the that words sounds, around a little bit. And that's my plan. <laughs> that's, that's my. It's not very covert, though. We all know that's what yeah. you do. Oh, damn, yeah. Cheryl. Yeah. Need a new plan. It's not working. Uh, on Alan and his brother, John Foster Dulles. John Foster. Um, the yeah. Beatle and Alan Dulles didn't get along very well. Why, why not, Ray? 
Well, Bedell Smith was a military man. By the book, let's do it right. Because remember, the original charter or whatever the heck the term is for the CIA was to gather intelligence and analyze. And uh, Alan Dulles was a man of action, penis swinging, whatever. He did a bunch of whole things in the OSS. And he was, uh, it's all about dashing and daring and banging the broads, basically the American James Bond. But when it comes to their personalities, they were night and day. When it comes to what the CIA should be focused on, it was night and day. And like you said, they've been spending a lot of money, getting a lot of people killed and have fuck all to show for it. And Bedell Smith is like, I know I'm not going to be lasting much longer because more than half my stomach is gone. My days here are numbered. I've got to get this uh, this gentleman under control, along with Frank Wisner. And he's still struggling. You know, speaking of plans, I just realized that I was using my notes from last month. So... Um... Uh, I'm going to get I was up wondering my notes. I wasn't going to say anything. For this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, kids oh. don't do drugs in podcast. Do your drugs, <laughs> break, then podcast. Okay. Follow Uncle Ray for more advice. All right. So then by 1952, Beatle Smith had turned the CIA into an organization with 15,000 people, <clears throat> more than 50 overseas stations, Damn right. and a secret annual budget of over $500 million. A year. A year. Uh, a year. That's Box pretty much me. podcast money right there. I mean, he was, <laughs> almost, you know. Almost there. Almost now, there, yeah. The ironic thing was, and I'll just say this real quick, you, you just said 15,000 people. It's going to turn out that Bedell Smith isn't going to think very much of most of those 15,000 people, but that's one of the many things he has to deal with. It's like having a podcast partner. Um, I know. Yeah. He was like, fuck me. I just can't find <laughs> visual joke. <laughs> Start with the visual jokes. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I, I, it turns out that I'm brilliant. Yeah, I'm good. I'm a yeah. good podcast. Yeah, good podcaster. Yeah, good podcaster. Good podcaster. Fucking brilliant in front of a camera. You All are. those times yeah, yeah. in front of the mirror are really starting to pay off. Anyway. I tell you what, the History Channel really fucked up when they didn't uh, push ahead with that series baby. with us, right? It's, yeah. yeah. We should start our own. Everybody's starting their own channel. Let's start our own fucking channel. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and in his last days as director of the CIA, Smith would uh, confess that he still struggled to hire good people, qualified people, people who wouldn't just fuck everything up. He said they just simply don't exist, could not find. I mean, and I found this over the years, trying to find an intelligent American to work with. It's if I, uh, if I run across really one, I'll let you hard. know. Yeah, you yeah, know. please yeah. do. Please, yeah, get them to send me their sure. CV. Write that down. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but seriously, seriously, let me ask you this. Oh, you're I was looking being serious. For, oh, no. Ouch. Uh, you're looking for someone who can come in, and I get that you, when it comes to covert operations, you you pretty much need military training, paramedic, whatever. But I guess what he's talking about is he's talking about that as well as someone who can run the paper side of it, the office side, or someone who can think outside the box. I mean, what exactly is he complaining about? Everything when it comes to the right kind of CIA personnel? I mean, who in the fuck comes out of college and is ready to jump into the CIA and do whatever he needs? I, I, I don't, for me, that's a disconnect. Is there a special CIA preschool? 
that these people should be going to? I don't get what he's complaining about. They have to be trained, just like everything yeah. else. Yeah. I mean, what? I wonder what kind of people you're looking for, obviously. I mean, if I was going to start the CIA from scratch today, mm-hmm. my own intelligence organization. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you'd be looking for people that uh, obviously highly intelligent. You'd be looking for people that can keep their mouth shut. Uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you'd be looking for people that knew a lot about the country that they were going to be spying on. Could speak the language, understood the idea. culture, understood the history of so the place. Important? Could. You would think could empathize with right. the people in that country because you're trying to befriend them, get them on side, yes. uh, you yes. know, really, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, Americans, and okay, and, and I'm being serious, I'm not just throwing shit at Americans now. Um, right. You know, famously, even today, vast majority of Americans have uh, never, never been outside of the country, don't own have, a passport. Yeah, don't have no yep. idea about and don't give a shit about the no. cultures of other places. It's kind we of really don't. You're raised to, and, and I'm getting this from Chrissy. This is what Chrissy's told me. Yeah. Now, uh, her family are different. Mormons are particularly are different usually because they, they go on missions quite often right. overseas. Right. Uh, some of her family went overseas. Um, her dad, I think, was a missionary before he left the church. He was a missionary, went to France. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, in her experience, um, most Americans just don't don't want to go overseas unless it's you know they, they go on a Kentucky tour or whatever you call mm-hmm. them over there. They go on a cruise, Carnival cruise, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know they, they they don't they're not interested in really. And when they do that, they're like, well, this isn't as good as it is in America. Fuck you. Right. <clears throat> they complain exactly. about shit. You know, they're not really interested in working with the the, the locals. It's it's uh, there's a yeah. sort of this. America is the greatest nation on earth. That Jesus uh, Jesus leave? wrote the wrote the plans. He was the deputy director of plans for America. <laughs> uh, so why you got it right else? one. Yeah, and yeah, I think it was exactly. the same thing back then. He was just struggling uh, to find Americans in the in the fifties, early fifties, who knew anything about the world, which makes it tricky um, yeah. when you when you want to send them over there, or they have to they have to figure out how to uh, integrate into right. what's going on in these cultures. And his other failure, Beatle Smith, uh, at the end of his term as the director, was he'd never been able to figure out how to pull Alan Dulles or Frank Wisner into line. They yes. Uh, yes. they just kept doing their own thing. You know, they were like, well, the, you know, he as as you said earlier, uh, Beatle Smith was an army guy, and he expected orders to be followed. Right. They were kind yes. of well. They took his orders. I think, as I said in one of our other episodes, they took his orders as suggestions, starting places. That's right. Or a conversation, yeah, like a yellow light. Yeah. Yeah. I could stop, yeah. but I probably yeah. won't. Yeah. 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 So. I hear what you're saying. You want me to stop? But um, yeah. what I think yeah. you really mean is. Yeah, no, you know, double down. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like when you're with a drunk girl at a party. Um, oh look, I God. know you're saying stop, but I think we're no. Oh, I can't can't say that we can't do that. Okay. No. Cheryl said Cheryl to the no. Edit that no. out, Cheryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't, but- I don't want us to get cancelled. 
No, because uh, it, it could happen. We could be shadow banned or whatever the equivalent is on podcasts and YouTube and stuff like that. I don't know. But so, but, but you're right. I mean, he, there's this guy who has done incredible things with his life. He doesn't take shit off anybody. And suddenly he can't get these two frat boys who are used to, uh, you know, lawyers. And, and they're just and, and Frank uh, Wisner, we said on a previous episode, truly does believe he has a, he's on a mission from God to save the world. As does and so Alan Alan Dulles, but he's also just used mm. to being a playboy and doing whatever he wants. And by the mm. way, we'll get into this later, but the Dulles brothers tapped so much ass that they weren't married to, but that's just kind of the, the guys they were. Well, that's how Jesus wanted it. I oh, mean, as I we'll see correct. in the next episode, the Dulles brothers were seriously like, yeah. uh, we're on a mission from God level Christians. Yes. Uh, yes. Raised by a father who was a minister. That's right. Uh, they were, they and... and and yeah. then they worked at Sullivan and Cromwell, who were like, right. uh, you know, the, the the fucking lawyers to American corporate elites. Their yes. whole mission was the the, the merger of Christianity and American corporatism yeah. taking over the world. And as we'll see in the next episode, like their, their family pedigree and what their great grandfather did, and all this kind of stuff. Right. Like yeah. they, they came they come from a family of. American royalty, basically, yeah. and yeah. they felt that, that that was their mission, was to spread America. They just wanted yeah. to get a big spoon, a big spatula, and, like, spread America all over the world and right. then let the world lick it up. There, here's it, some America. Oh, God, I'm getting turned <clears> on. I just America it all over your face. Right. Yeah. Bukaki, just- America Bukaki <laughs> is what they wanted to do. Just Bukaki right. America everywhere. Just spread it. <laughs> I was American getting turned Bukaki. on, and then it kind yeah. of went too far. But no, but but they did spread American semen in a lot of places. But but you're right. I <laughs> yeah, mean, literally. So, Bedell Smith is trying this, and he's going to try one more time. It's one week before the 1952 presidential election. Bedell Smith calls in on this is on October 27th, and he tra- in 1952, and he tries to he calls in the top 26 most senior officers of the CIA, and he's like, look, we got we got we got we got to have a come to Jesus meeting. We have to have to have a come to Jesus meeting because this shit's getting out of control. He says until the CIA can build a reserve of well trained people, it would have to hold it would have to hold its activities to a limited number of operations that it can do well, rather than attempt to cover a broad field of poor performances, not unlike this podcast, by using (laughs) improperly trained personnel, which makes sense. Look, why fuck up 50 things when we can probably do about 12 things really well? Let's let's just do this. And besides, he's starting to get some information back from General Truscott, who he had sent to Germany. He goes, I want you to go there, look at all the crazy shit they're doing, and send me a list of the most asinine attempts that they're going to make because we're going to kill that stuff so he's got this list he's talking to these guys and this is brilliant what bedell smith wants to do is set up a murder board we're going to go through all these potential operations and the ones that are flaky the ones that won't work the ones that just don't have a good upside to them we're going to kill them we're going to it's going to be quality over quantity that's what i want yes you can probably all tell that i'm not going to be around much longer for whatever reason but that is what i want i want quality pure quality and frank wisner goes uh excuse me sir can i ask a question please and it all goes fucking downhill from there yeah, Wisner said, look, uh, great idea, boss, uh, but let me throw this at you. It's going to take many, many, many months, Yes, well into the next administration, to safely kill off 
all of yeah. these projects that we've got going around the world. Exactly. We can't like it's, we don't have mobile phones; they haven't been invented yeah. yet. We can't just ring up these guys and go uh, <laughs> ring, ring on the you know uh, uh, throwaway. Um, <laughs> Except we, we, in the jungle, eh? We have Whatever. to get we have to tie messages under the legs of pigeons, and then those right. pigeons to fly across the Pacific to get there. And the hookers, oh, too much. <laughs> it's too much. I, they love the idea of murder board. They go, "Yeah, we're going to murder, <laughs> murder." Oh, hmm. I think it's a new department I created. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. the murder board. Yeah, yeah. That was Water that was Bill Smith's legacy was just giving yes. them the idea of a murder board. Yeah, they just took it in a different direction. And then, yeah. of course, and fifty-two, the end of fifty-two, Eisenhower won the election uh, yes. on a national security platform where he said he was going to liberate the free world from yes. Soviet satellites. Um, right. As we've seen in in earlier episodes, you know the the only way to win elections uh, in the US from World War II onwards, really, yeah. was to uh, talk about communism and defeating right. communism. We have to defeat the communists, save yeah. the free world, etc. Et so how are we going to do that? We got to stop the communists from invading countries. How are we going to do that? We're going to invade countries. That's right. That's you're welcome. Have they actually yes. invaded many countries? No, but <laughs> if we invade them first, right, that Keep will make it harder for them to invade, right, and yes. that makes us the good guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fucking a. Fucking yeah. a. Yeah. So he went. Yeah, he wins, and we'll we'll go into that. Uh, but we should probably do a short bio on him because he is now in the White House, and he wants Alan Dulles as the new director. Of yes. The CIA. But before we do that, I just yeah. wanted to point out that his whole Eisenhower's campaign script right. was written by John Foster Dulles. Yes. Brother his of Alan. Yes. Right. So, bro. bro, his older brother, I think he's like five years older than Alan. Right. Um, senior player in uh, the corporate elite, has been with uh, law firm Sullivan and Cromwell since he was mm -hmm. straight out of college, uh, stints in public service. But, uh, you know, he's, yeah. he and, the, and his brother Alan are now the two guys that really, between them, shape yes. Cold War policy for the next couple of decades. Yeah. And it's funny, yeah. I said to Chrissy the other day, you ever heard of the Dulles brothers? She goes... You know, the name sounds familiar. I said, yeah, probably There's Dulles a, Airport. There's an airport, airport in Washington. Yeah. yeah. She goes, oh, yeah. No, she didn't even know it was in Washington. She goes, where's that? I go, it's in Washington. I've flown yeah. in there before. I always yeah. get like a bit of a cold shiver down my spine when I fly into Dulles. You should. <laughs> as a foreigner, yeah. you should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And as a, as a loudmouth Australian. Uh, <clears throat> but is there any other kind? my point is that, uh, you know, she did American history in, in high school and at college too bit of AP right. or in high school and then American college-y stuff. Doesn't know, never heard of the Dulles Brothers. Like, these guys, they're like, this is the, well, they're not really the, um, um, what do they call it these days? The dark government, uh, the fucking secret. Oh, hidden, deep state? Deep state, yeah. These guys weren't really deep state. Uh, yeah. They were, they were, you know, uh, had very high public profiles at the time. Yeah, Secretary of State. 
But I wonder how many yeah. Americans actually know much about John Foster Dulles and Alan Dulles. You know, it's uh, and, and none. What they very, very few. Uh, yeah, they certainly not. don't know what the OSS is, and they're not going to know what the brother, who the brothers are, or what they did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they don't have statues. Uh, their faces aren't on Mount Rushmore. If, if they're not presidents, most Americans, I think, um, and, and, even and then, again, I'm not even going to Americans. Most most people don't know about the power plays in their yeah. own countries. If they're not yeah. prime ministers or presidents or kings, yeah. or get uh, shot, some, give me something. Give yeah, me something to hang my hat, hat on. Tend yeah. not to really give them yeah. much attention, but these guys, yeah are incredibly influential. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Eisenhower got to pick his own new code name, Ashcam. Uh, do you One know more why he... Ashcam. Ash. No, Ash tell me why. Cam. Tell me why. It was Marsha backwards. Uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. He was a big fan of the Brady Bunch. Uh, he couldn't that. call himself Mar. He wanted to call himself Marsha. Right, they but... like, mm, boss, you know, that's well. it. No, you know, no. Marsha's on the move, that. Marsha's on the move. You know, that's... Between you leave your cross, Yeah, your cross-dressing thing, let's leave that <laughs> that's not, out of, you know. He goes, yeah. but no one will know. They go, well, we don't It'll even get want out. them. Yeah. It'll get out. It'll, it always does. It always, the only thing that hasn't gotten out is the Kennedy assassination, and I'm sure that's going to get out, so it'll get out. Don't. <laughs> Ashcan. Um, it was the name given to the elite warrior class in ancient Egypt and sure. is supposedly meant uh, those who stand at the left hand of the king. Right. Why Eisenhower wanted to be associated with somebody standing at the left hand of the king in ancient Egypt, Gotta I think. Uh, well, I think he was a secret ISIS ISIS worshiper. <laughs> I think that was the deal. He was uh, into ISIS worship. Right. He was really yeah. a, an ancient Egyptian god that had uh, resurrected. Right. Anyway, over soup. the protests of uh, Beatles Smith, he made Alan Dulles the new director of the CIA. Of course, Dulles wanted, you know, Beatles Smith wanted to shut down their covert ops. Yes. Alan Dulles wanted to ramp up the covert ops. Guess who and won? And Eisenhower, for reasons we will see as we go ahead, yeah. chose the latter over the former. Yeah. He was like, fuck yes, covert ops is my bag. Boom. Yes. Uh, a lot oh. of people didn't know that about Eisenhower. No, but, you know, as we now know, people didn't know this back then. But as we now know, covert ops uh, played a big role in World War II, in the defeat of the Nazis in World War II. So, yeah. and Eisenhower knew that at the time, even though the general public probably didn't know about it. He was a big believer in covert operations as being better than sending men in to get killed. Right, exactly. oh, you must send other people's men in to get killed. Right, but Plan A. Send Stalin's men in to get killed, but we'll do covert ops and then take the credit for winning the war later. That's that's that, how we do it. That that's sounds America. right, actually. Yeah, page one. Now let's talk a little bit about Eisenhower. Sure. Uh, a little bit of a bio, I think, on the new president, the new leader of the free world. Yes. <laughs> no, it's this. It's not this. How many times no, do I got to tell that, you? No, it's, it's that. that. Leader of the yeah. free world. Um, Eisenhower <laughs> is German for iron miner or iron hewer. Nice. Iron right. hewer. Um, yeah. So I guess at some point in time, uh, yep. The Eisenhower's iron miners. Yeah. From uh, Saarbrücken 
in Germany. They came over to York, Pennsylvania in 1741. Ike was born on October 14th, 1890. But yeah, his family comes from Hardwerkers from Germany, from the fatherland. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along. But anyway, so yeah, the family's been over for a couple generations. His father was a college-educated engineer, and they had seven sons. Dwight was the third of seven sons. Yes. Uh, And all of the boys were called Ike. Yeah, just like a fucking (laughs) football team, just make them wear jerseys and put on numbers. Yeah, number seven. I mean, yeah, they were all called Ike, which is, I guess, an abbreviation from the last name. His father did own a general store, which went under. Um, so they were not not poor, poor, but they were living paycheck to paycheck. And they, I just want to mention this real quick, because this is going to come back later. They were in Kansas for a while. The, the general store was in Hope, Kansas, but they do move to Texas and then back to Kansas. But while they're in Texas, that's when uh, our Ike was born. So he was born in Denison, Texas, which is going to benefit him later when he's running for president. How the fuck do you get Ike out of Eisenhower? That's what I want to know. Eisenhower? I, that's really the best I can do. I don't know. I don't know. Chris, do you have anything on it? No, I asked her and she was like, yeah. no, nothing. No. She was like, what the fuck are you wasting my time asking me stupid fucking questions for? About some money. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. 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 I don't know. I just wanted to talk to you about your car's insurance. Yeah, you're American, you're German-speaking, I thought. Maybe. Um, well, now you think wrong. Yeah, so. <laughs> but I considers Abilene, Kansas, his hometown. So that's right. where his heart was. Abilene. Abilene. Um, now, their mother was a Jehovah's Witness. Sure. Uh, sure. Eventually. She, she was part of the church that became the Jehovah's Witnesses. Right. Uh, and and therefore was anti-war, anti-violence, yes. anti-war. Yes. Jehovah's Witnesses are pacifists right. until they come true. to your door and you <laughs> basically tell them that Jesus didn't exist. And they go, what would you know? and then yeah, then they want to throw down. <laughs> That's been my experience. I'm like, oh, pacifist, you're a pacifist. Yeah, and, but it also turns out that his mother had a collection of history books, which. Whether she meant to or not, uh, started her son to reading. He was very good at English, very good at reading and writing. But there was a lot of military history in there. So maybe the seed has been planted for him to at least have an an affinity for military history. So he joined West Point in 1911. Apparently his performance was average. Uh, wasn't Wasn't a star pupil. Managed to graduate, though, in 1915. Right. Yeah. World War One is going on, uh, but America's not really that involved in World War One. They're like, let's do we'd let everyone else do the bulk of the work. This is our this we is like what we do. Up. Yeah. Warm up yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Call us in the fourth innings. Uh, you know, when, when everybody's tired. Call when us. everyone's tired, <laughs> yeah. call us in. Right. Till then, oh. we'll just sit here yes. and uh, count our yeah. money. He married Mammy Dude. Uh, in 1916, just before his uh, uh, U.S. entry into World War One, right. on Valentine's Day he proposed. Then they get you right here. Right and here. why did America get involved in World War One? Ray, remind the kids oh, at home. Got oh no blank. Um, um, the ship, the sink. Uh, I can't fucking remember. I Lusitania. I have no idea. I'm making this. The Lusitania. Shit up the bombing okay. of the Lusitania. 
right. which uh, they claimed was an innocent passenger liner that had uh, Americans on it. Uh, right. The Germans said, no, 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 it was nine, nine. carrying. <laughs> it was carrying. Nine, nine bombs. No, go ahead. It was sorry. carrying uh, ammunition right. to the British from yeah, America. Uh, right. America was supposedly neutral. It was right. carrying, and the Germans said they took ads out in yes. American papers before it's before the Lusitania waving <laughs> the Americans away. Don't know nine nine. Yeah. No coming to here. Get on no, this boat. Not. If you get <laughs> on this boat, we will bomb it. Yeah, boom, boom. Much boom, yeah. boom. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a go, boom! Uh, and the Americans and the British denied that it had ammunition right. on it for 70 fucking years, 80 <laughs> years. on it. No, 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 no. no. Until well. somebody actually went down with a salvage uh, ship. Right. And, and found shit tons of ammunition <laughs> in the wreckage. I am shocked. Shocked, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> Alan Dulles would have loved that fucking story. Went to, you yes, know, he's yeah. probably there. But yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Now, Eisenhower did, uh, he was in the, in the U.S. military during World War I, but right. he never saw any action. Right. And, yeah. that, and that's a habit that he keeps up for the rest of his life. That's one way to put it. That's one he way. He never, of, yeah, yeah, never, never, ever, never, even when he is the highest ranking general in the yeah. country, he yeah. never sees any action. Well, like Trump says, if you're accusing me of avoiding paying taxes, doesn't that make me smart? <laughs> I mean, I'm qualified <laughs> to be president because I avoided yeah. all these taxes. He's qualified to be president because he never, ever risked his life. But actually, uh, uh, to be serious for a second, a part of it is when he was in college, because he was an outdoors boy, he was very physical, he was a starting running back, which is a big deal. And then he starts coaching. And it turns out that Eisenhower does have a gift for training, passing information on, motivating and organizing troops. So between the end of World War One, and we don't have to go into this, but between the end, end of World War One and when things get hot before World War II, the, his superiors won't let him go anywhere because he's a football coach in various places or they've got him training tank crews and he's just really good at, at explaining things to other people. And he's that's just his, that's his, that's in his wheelhouse and he's just good at it and he's irreplaceable in a lot of ways. I know that sounds like shit, but to have a good teacher, um, especially for mm. the army for war, is a big mm, deal to them. Mm. So he, he, he does That sounds track. to me like you saying, listen, uh, as it turns <clears throat> out, I, I can't do any research. I mean, because you don't want me to do research because right. That's uh, up. I'm just yeah. really funny when I don't do research. So that's, yeah. that's you know, what I you bring. That's what I bring to is the that, show. Yeah. <laughs> Retrospective uh, right. apologetic bullshit is what that sounds like to me. No, look, for whatever reason, yeah. he, he never he, he never saw any action, but ended up as the right. highest ranking general in the country. Worked in logistics in World War One, and then in the infantry at various camps in Texas and Georgia. Did set up a tank corps. Mm-hmm. As you said, that also yeah. never saw any action. No. Um, no. But you know, we know a little bit about tank cores and uh, Big Celery Stick and his uh, whole vision for tank warfare, yeah. um, which didn't go well for him. What was his name? De Gaulle, the uh, right. Big Celery Stick. 
He was in Tank no, of Biggest Asparagus? Biggest Asparagus. Biggest Asparagus. Yeah. Biggest Asparagus. As who? Uh, as who? Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. De Gaulle no. rhymes De with Gaulle. asshole. That, yeah. <laughs> that's woo. Anyway, yeah. I, I did think it was funny that when there was one point where um, Eisenhower is uh, working with tanks, he's training these various battalions. And uh, like you said, he's not in charge of anything. He's he, He's got a crew that is teaching tank maneuvers and stuff. And he actually meets George Patton and he meets some other tank enthusiasts. And they're like, you know what? I think in the next war, tanks are going to be really kind of big. And his superiors don't like that at all. They're like, fuck you. It's about the infantry. It's about the man, his heart, his gun in his hand and his penis in the other hand. And it's about bravery and courage and camaraderie. And he's like, no, I think tanks are going to be a big job. And they like, shut your fucking mouth or we'll court martial you. So, uh, Ike and Pat and Patton get a little slap down in between the wars because they were like, you know what, this is going to be something. And the people don't want to hear it. And to go like as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. He got slapped down as well. Exactly. Yeah. Just like Billy Mitchell got slapped down by the Navy because he's saying carriers are going to be a kind of a big thing. Fuck the battleships. And he was, you know, they got rid of it. They pushed him to the side. So anyway, so Ike is, is on the cutting edge in some ways, but he is also making enemies at the same time. They have two kids here in Mammy during this period. The first died age three of scarlet fever. The second, John, also graduated from West Point, retired Mm -hmm. as a brigadier general, became an author, served as U.S. ambassador to Belgium from 1969 to 1971. Camp David, the holiday house for American presidents, located in the hills of Maryland, is named after John's son. Uh, Dwight's grandson and also his father, uh, right. but uh, David was his name of his grandson. So, yeah, what was the original name of Camp David, Ray, for uh, $10? Um, what was the original name as given by Roosevelt right. for oh, uh, Camp oh, David? Oh, um, the place where I don't have to hide my wheelchair. No? Am I wrong? Sex Palace on Wheels? Um, no, I don't know. Tell me. Tell me. Close. Shangri-La. Shangri-La. The president yes, this course. weekend uh, will be uh, staying in Shangri-La. It doesn't really, yes. doesn't really, I, I can't see that going down yeah. very well. Uh, yeah, but that's like, what he called it, Shangri-La. Who did, was it Ike's grandson, Mary? Uh, no idea. Nixon's hot daughter, Julie, in 1968. Nixon had a hot daughter? No, but he had a daughter, and she <laughs> married right. Ike's grandson in 19... 19- wow. I was trying to be nice, but, uh, wow. yeah, so so Camp David marries Nixon's... So, yeah, he's got... Yeah, he went from a poor farm Kansas boy to president, and he's going to do other things, as we, as we know as well, and he's got his family kind of marrying into the political elite, so not bad right in between wars ike stayed in the military mostly based in the u.s uh studying and planning for the next war he was the deputy director of plans uh (laughs) for the war yeah alan dulles joke uh in 1935 though he accompanied douglas macarthur to the philippines to help train their army uh, yeah. He and MacArthur, there's a lot of stories that they didn't get along. They both denied it yes. later on, but a lot of stories that they didn't get along on that trip and that that lasted 
for the rest yeah. of their lives. Uh, no one knows more about Douglas MacArthur than you, Ray. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you take on the Eisenhower-MacArthur uh, rift? Real well, Doug, or overblown? Uh, it was real. It was real. But later on, when you're the president, you have to seem gracious and go, no, you, it was blown. It was blown out of proportion. No. But what happened was MacArthur, massive ego, gets there with his aides. And one of them is um, Eisenhower. And Eisenhower notices really quickly the white officers treating the local Filipino troops with, how should I say, a bit of lack of respect. Um, Eisenhower tells the president, Kazon, look, Bring me in for 10 years. I'll revamp your army. They'll be ready for a war with Japan because we all know it's fucking coming. Um, and then Eisenhower's like, sir, with all due respect, they don't have any money. They can't afford weapons. They can't afford to have a large standing army because when the Japanese do come, some of the guys actually have co coconut helmets while they're fighting the Japanese. But anyway, so, so they disagreed when it comes to social issues like race and equality. They disagreed on military tactics. And to prove that they really didn't get along when uh, Eisenhower goes back to Washington uh, before Pearl Harbor, he's got his own diary, his own journal, and he writes unflattering things about MacArthur, even during the time of the Bataan Death March and, and, and the Battle of the Philippines. So he did not respect MacArthur. And so later on, years when he goes, later on, when he says, uh, no, it really wasn't as bad as you guys made it out to be. No, it was that bad, but you just, you don't do that because that's considered tech A. But there was a lot of tension there and there was a lot of disagreements and MacArthur was wrong the, the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. Why um, and why didn't the Philippines have a good standing army at the time? They could not afford it. And uh, the president of the Philippines, Manuel Quezon and FDR pretty much figured as long as there's one American white <laughs> American troop on the islands, there's no way, there's no way Japan's going to attack. Turns out that that's not the case. Um, side note, and I just love the story very much. MacArthur was supposed to be there for 10 years train the army and whatever. Um, when he gets out of the Philippines and when Kazon gets out of the Philippines, they, they go back to, to, to wash or, or Kazon goes back to, to Washington where FDR can keep an eye on him because right before Kazon leaves, he's like, you know what, FDR, I've got a brilliant plan. Why don't all you white American troops get the fuck out of my country? We'll tell the Japanese that you're out. They'll leave and the Philippines can just sit this war out and we'll wait for the next war. And FDR is like, I, I don't even know where to start with that one. That's so stupid. So when Kazon, Kazon gets out, FDR brings him to Washington to keep an eye on him. Anyway, Kazon gives MacArthur a half million dollars for his six years of service, which is roughly, in today's money, just over $8 million. And what does Kazon care? Because he's dying of tuberculosis. It's not his money. And he offers Eisenhower $60,000, and which is just over a million dollars today. And Eisenhower's like, look, I appreciate it. I, uh, that's very generous of you because Eisenhower was involved in trying to get supplies to MacArthur. And he's like, I appreciate it, but that's just not, we don't do that in the army. And he's like, well, MacArthur did. And he's like, well, that's fucking MacArthur. I don't do that. So we turned down a million dollars free cash from the president of the Philippines. And then he goes on to London, which we'll get to in a minute. But Overall, you, you have to say that Eisenhower is a pretty classy guy. He sticks to the rules. He sticks to the regulations, and he turned down the money, whereas other people in the Philippines happily snatched that money up from Kazon. So the answer I was looking for oh, was sorry. to why the Philippines didn't have a standing army was because the Americans killed them all during the... Uh, they killed their fathers. <laughs> they killed their fathers. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 During yeah. the Philippine-American War... 
Right. When uh, the Philip, when after mm. the Spanish American War, as we've well, they, talked they about, it, we did an episode freedom. on this like years ago, but they uh, resisted yeah, American they freedom. Resist- <laughs> we had to bash their heads in and lock them on ships. And the the I read some some uh, letters and some diaries from the American soldiers back in the Philippines after that War of eighteen ninety eight. Oh my God, the racist tones. Look, if we tell them what to do and we're white and they're not white, if we tell them what to do and if they even fucking hesitate, we open up on the village with our guns. They have to learn that we are here and we are in charge. Wiped out, I don't know how many. And the ones they didn't wipe out, they fucking starved Mm. to death by taking their food and or chasing them into the jungles where they had to try to resist and they would die of starvation. So fucking horrible the way they were treated anyway you're going to you're going to accept our freedom whether you want to or not with a a bayonet in your gut if we have to yeah between two hundred and fifty thousand and a million civilians uh are estimated to have died during the philippine-american war yeah a couple hundred thousand of those from cholera um it was it was brutal um and and you know, I said that uh, Eisenhower went with MacArthur in 1935 to help train their army. That was the year that they were given their quasi uh, on paper right. independence from the United States. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we're, we're going to keep yeah. running your army for you. Thank you very much. But you know, right. you're independent, <laughs> complete freedom to do whatever right. you want. Right. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we, we, we control <laughs> your army. Have- we're going to have tanks, planes, mm, artillery mm, here with, with a mm. bunch of our guys, yeah. But luckily, for, but luckily for Eisenhower, in December of 1939, two years before Pearl Harbor, he gets out of there, and he has various assignments, and you were touching on this. He uh, commands a battalion. There's no conflict. He's the chief of staff of a corps. He's the chief of staff of the Army, 3rd Army in Texas. So, again, so he's slowly but surely going up the chain of command, getting promoted, but it's all – paperwork, staff work, that kind of stuff. And you're right, he's not truly being tested yet. And then, of course, um, let's see here, in October of 1941, Pearl Harbor is obviously about to happen. And that's when um, Ike is now a brigadier general. He hasn't held an active command for anything over a battalion, but it doesn't matter because when war comes, all that shit goes out the window and you suddenly look for talent like you've never looked before. And that's what General Marshall is going to do after Pearl Harbor. So after Pearl Harbor, he gets assigned to the general staff in Washington, creating plans to defeat Japan and Germany. He's a strategy guy, right? He's a big picture guy, strategy guy. In June of 1942, he goes to London, becomes the commanding general of the European Theatre of Operations, Etusa. Mm -hmm. A few months later, he's also appointed Supreme Commander Allied Expeditionary Force of the North African Theatre of Operations, Natusa. Nice title, right? Uh, I got the Etusa, I got the Natusa. He's collecting all the Tusas. Got to have all the Tusas. It's like the rings of uh, Thanos. You collect all the rings on your your gauntlet. Or Pokemon. You've got to catch them all. (laughs) Yeah, and so he he worked. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, after you. So he organizes things like uh, Operation Torch, the landing in North Africa. He's got to deal with the free French. And as we all know, they're a big pain in the ass. He does make some uh, poor decisions in leadership for his subordinates. He's a little hesitant. 
which causes partly uh, a huge American massacre in the Kazarine Pass, taking on Rommel's pan panzers. He does learn to be more decisive when he's picking his leaders. He deals with the French. They uh, take North Africa. They take Sicily. They go to the Italian mainland. So things are going well. And because he's doing so well, because he knows how to play the game, even though he's you hear people say, like, he's not a politician at this point in his life. He's, he's a military man. That might be true, but he knows how to play the game. Um, one of his men called some, some, uh, some Brit guy, called him a British son of a bitch. Uh, uh, Eisenhower put his ass on the next boat going back to America. And he goes, what did I do? I just called him a son of a bitch. He goes, no, no, you called him a British son of a bitch. We are all on the same team here. You say anything bad about the Brits your ass is out. You can call him a son of a bitch. Just leave the British off. And so he knew how to play the game. And because of that, he's going to be promoted again because FDR likes what he's doing. And FDR cannot do without General George Marshall, the chief of staff of the U.S. Army. So Eisenhower's only going up because he's getting results. So December of 43, FDR makes Eisenhower the supreme allied commander in Europe. Yes. December 1944, he is promoted to General of the Army, which is apparently the highest possible rank yes. in the United States Army, higher than a general. Yes. Is the General, general of, the Army. of the Army. And he had never seen yeah. action himself. That's not technically true. During all this time, he is banging his driver and chief aide, Kate Summersby. Just not military action. So you stand corrected. Oh, I mean, he'd seen video footage of action. Right. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I've seen ooh, action. Look at that. Yeah, I, saw, that. Yeah, I, get, I, get, I get videos like once yeah. a week. Kay, don't been, stop. Yeah. Don't stop, Kay. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. So she was his driver. He had a female driver. Irish he was banging. driver and aide. And ooh. she assisted in many things, mostly emotional tension. Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's an important yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> it's a killer. It's a killer. Yeah. Do yeah. you think he got that from FDR? FDR was like, listen, let me let me yeah. tell you a little here's, secret. Here's what you do. Yeah. Here's yeah. how we do it. Well, yeah. uh, he was happily married, but I guess um, whatever her name was, Mamie, I can't remember his wife's name now, but. Uh, yeah, Mamie. Maybe she stays behind mammy. in the state. Is mammy. mammy. I guess she stays behind. Yeah, I, I can't bang some. Oh, Mammy. I'm coming, Mammy. I, I can't. I'm out. I'm out. Anyway. I'm not, literally, I'm pulling out. I'm done. No, but uh, he's there for years. He's under a lot of stress, and cigarettes can only do so much. Sometimes you you need what you need. Anyway. So he's a big strategy yeah. guy, never never yes. actually sees any action. After the Germans surrender, he's appointed yeah. the military yeah. governor of the American occupation zone. Yes. And Not then in November 1945, he returns to Washington to replace Marshall as the chief of staff of the army. And his main job then, of course, is demobilization. As we've yes. discussed before, Truman's like this is costing us a fortune. Get him out. Uh, we need to we need to wind it all back. Yeah. Uh, so that didn't go smoothly, as we've seen in previous episodes. Right. 
Right. Well, there there was a shipping shortage at the time, but that was one of the reasons they couldn't get them out. But it's going to turn out there's immediate tension with Russia. And so maybe we should keep these guys here. But the one thing I do like about Eisenhower is the war is winding down and he, he gets reports about the Holocaust. He gets reports about these camps and he goes, you know what? I bet some American son of a bitch back in the States is going to see, see this or hear about this and he's going to yell, fake news. So he has his camera crews go out and as some of the latest camp, the last camps are, uh, are, are, are liberated. He's actually got these guys filming. He goes, I want there to be absolutely no question about what was going on here. And so he, he, he does get credit for that. And it turns out that that proof of, of film was actually needed because there were, and even today there are people that deny the Holocaust. So good for him um, for getting that on tape. But he also said all that video that we took of what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, bury that. Bury it. Yeah, bury it. Bury it. Get rid of it. 86. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything the Germans did, keep that. Anything we did, get rid of it. Dresden? No. This is the Germans out. This is the Americans. Close it down. Close it down. We saw the news during the week about getting back to Dresden that – Number of British people are calling for the statue of Bomber Harris to be taken down. He's being uh, declared to be a psychopath, and they're saying they have to take down his statue. Not going to take down the statues of Churchill, but uh, uh, Bomber Harris. There's now a campaign to take down Bomber Harris's thing. Yeah, give it time. I'm trying. I was trying to remember many, many episodes ago when we were talking about the atomic bomb. You listed all the people, like all the various American military men and officials that were against the bombing. And I, I know you mentioned um, I know you mentioned Eisenhower, but I can't remember if we covered this quote. Eisenhower said when, he, when he's talking about not wanting to use the atomic bomb, not once, but twice, he goes, first, the Japanese were ready to surrender and it wasn't necessary to hit them with that awful thing. Second, I hated to see that our country be the first to use such a weapon. And it turns out it was so horrible no one has used it since. But, yeah, he's like, well, do we really want to be the guys that go down in history books as the first country to use not one but two atomic bombs? Come on, guys. But Truman did anyway. It was his call to make. Yeah. Um, and according to historian Stephen Ambrose, Eisenhower mm-hmm. had expressed his opposition directly to Truman and Truman's top advisors before they used it. This wasn't a post hoc thing it was it right. was like he, made he, it he he told them that before they used it yeah um but as of 1946 he was convinced that the soviet union did not want war that they could maintain friendly relations with the soviet union he strongly right. supported the the idea of the united nations and wanted to see the united nations in control of nuclear weapons yeah. Now, obviously, yeah. Uh, his story changed over time, yeah. uh, particularly when he gets into politics. But at that juncture, based on his relationships with the Soviets uh, in the, in, during the war, he was yeah. convinced that they they didn't want any trouble or any war. Yeah, he, uh, he met some of the big Soviet uh, generals. He met uh, one, one, I can't remember who, but he met one of them in, in Poland, actually. And he's like, we, he was kind of like FDR before FDR died. This is not perfect, but we can find a way to get along. We, we can somehow make this work. Um, but like you said, by 1947, his attitude has changed because what he sees around him has changed. 
Yeah, uh, I guess as the, um, the the German situation escalates between East and West, uh, yeah. the Greek Civil War escalates, he starts to change his story and he agrees yeah. on Kennan's containment policy. We need to contain the Soviets to stop their expansion. How are we going to do that? We're going to expand first. Uh, <laughs> how are we going to stop yeah. the communists yeah. from... Taking over Europe, we'll take over Europe, <laughs> right. and then we'll what are they going to do? We've got we've yep. got the bomb because we've got the bomb. Uh, uh. Now, going back to 1943, obviously he's the supreme Allied commander. People are already going. You know what? Because you're an American, Americans have a history of electing military leaders as presidents. Let's be honest. So as early as 1943, people are like, so what? Uh, what are your future plans after this whole kerfuffle is over with and you get out of that uniform? So people start talking to him about politics. And he's like, look, 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 whoa, whoa, slow your roll. I'm army chief of staff. I can't have political aspirations because if I do, no one will trust me or take me seriously. That's what he said. What was going on in his mind? I have no idea and I won't, and I won't claim to know. But at least at that point, he is still professing neutrality and focusing on his job. And so, but there are others more who are over him who are going, you know what? You need to think about your future. And one of those was the president at that moment. You know what I'm going to do? trying to convince uh, Eisenhower that he might want to become president since about 1943. Uh, He always said, no, 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 no. I'm a general, I'm not a politician, not interested in that shit. Um, He said at one point he could not imagine wanting to be considered for any political job from dog catcher to grand high supreme king of the universe, which is my my old job, and... (laughs) <laughs> that he couldn't serve as the army chief of staff if he had any political ambitions. Yeah. In 1945, Truman approached him during the Potsdam Conference and said, listen, uh, if you want to uh, run, yeah. I will you know, make you the leader of the Democrats. I'll, I'll get you the Democratic nomination and I will run as your running mate. Damn. Truman was going to run as Eisenhower's running mate 
on the Democratic ticket, Right. If MacArthur won the Republican nomination, which yes. people thought was a possibility at the time, uh, Eisenhower continued to turn it down. No, no, no. He played the whole, no, I'm not really interested. Yeah. He did a Caesar. He, he rejected the uh, yeah, really. crown thrice times. <laughs> at least. <laughs> In 1948, he learned that New Hampshire were planning to support him in the Republican National Convention. And mm. he gave a comment through the army that he was not available for and could not accept nomination to high political office. He was a lifelong professional soldier. And as such, in the absence of some obvious and overriding reason, he should abstain from seeking high political office. He had no party affiliation. Um, yeah. And, you know, he, he kind of played that game right up until he didn't. In 1948... For various reasons, he became president of Columbia University. Now, I have read he didn't right. go to Columbia University. He no. wasn't an academic. Uh, why did he become president of Columbia? Well, uh, a couple of the books that I read suggested that that was uh, a way of uh, grooming him for political office by the elite, a lot of the business right. elite. Yeah, heads of oil companies, media companies, manufacturing companies, the the Republican corporate elite realized they needed to uh, put him in a suit, get him out of uh, the fatigues, put him in a suit, give him some experience with being a president of something. Uh, Then they can say, well, he was a president of that. How much difference could there be between being president of Columbia University and president of the United States, the largest economic and military superpower on the planet? It's pretty much the same thing, really. Uh, so they were starting to. Barry and Stan actually came up with the idea. I believe that was like, we, yeah. we, you know, they, you, you gotta, this, you gotta take this in steps. You can't just Baby go steps. straight from, yeah. I've got no interest in politics to he's president. You've got to, there's got to be an intermediary thing here. Yes. Uh, so that's what he did. He also came out with his memoir in that year, Crusade in Europe, which oh. was a big financial success. Uh, yes. And he was worried about the tax implications of that. Oh. So um, what did he do about the tax implications, Ray? Well, it turns out when you're a goddamn American hero, you don't have to do anything because the IRS said, you know what? Not really a job. You were just kind of writing about what you did when you served uh, our country and you helped the world. So don't worry about it. Just consider that extra $400,000 of taxes. I, we're going to let it go. We're going to give it a miss. Don't you worry about that. Carry on, soldier. I mean, excuse me. President of Columbia University, carry on. So again, heroes get get yeah. to hose. Heroes get to hose. <laughs> Their actual ruling was tax schmacks. I think I read <laughs> you know, tax schmacks. Don't worry about it. Right? Oh, it's like it's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. You, taxes? Nah, not necessary yeah. for you. Don't ask. Don't tell. But I did want to ask: Wasn't Trump the president of Trump University? I'm. I, that really groomed him. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm well, not sure well, what happened there. He did a great job, according to job. oh, I forty-six percent of the population. I stand corrected. All right. Yeah. Uh, in that same year, nineteen forty-eight, Eisenhower was asked to advise the Secretary of Defense at the time, Forrestal, on the right. unification 
of the armed services. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then six months after that, he became the informal chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in Washington. This is all while he's supposedly the president of Columbia University. Yeah. It was one of those jobs where, look, he had a car park <laughs> and an office and a you business card. Don't show up. Yeah. Nah, like a Tony. Look, just call me on my call me on my cell phone if you need me. And they're like, well, we not. haven't invented those yet. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, call. fuck, that's yeah. not my, not my problem. Like, Can uh, I get a driver? Can I get a hot Irish driver? I, I, I'd really appreciate that. I was watching an old uh, a movie from the early 90s, uh, 94, I think it came out, Love and a 45. You ever seen that? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Highly underrated uh, little indie uh, film in the style of Tarantino. But, you know, Tarantino opened up this floodworks of of copycat movies. It's one of those. Came out just before Pulp Fiction, so in between Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Um, It's a little bit... uh, um, uh, uh, Fucking, what was his... Natural Born Killers, a little right. bit of that style, guy and a girl go on a crime spree kind of thing. The girl is played by a very young and tight Renee Zellweger, right. one of her first major roles before, right. you know, You Complete Me and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. She was tight, hot, tight. naked, mostly nearly naked in the whole film. And, uh, yeah. And um, uh, uh, the the lead is, is a guy who's a Canadian actor, was in Ali McBeal and Patriot and stuff like that, but I can't remember his name. Not bad, though. Not, not bad. Pretty good. A lot of fun a lot of fun scenes, a lot of fun characters, a lot of shooting, right. a lot of blood, a lot of drug taking. Um, but there's a scene where one of the guys, you know, he goes into a phone booth. And I really right. miss the phone booth as a, uh, as a film plot mechanism you know right. the old phone booth right. you know people looking up stuff in the phone book and oh yeah di- putting coins in and dying I really moments miss- yes yeah. yeah it's just like there's a couple of film Superman. Know, i'm getting slightly off topic here but a couple of couple of film uh uh what do you call them um plot uh, uh not plot memes twists. but yeah well plot mechanisms let's just go with that right that I really, I really love. I never get tired of seeing it. One, one is that. Um, one is uh, when somebody needs to assassinate someone in a hospital, and they just go in through the uh, service entrance, right, and then just walk around yeah. and find a doctor's uh, white coat and stethoscope, put Good that mind. on. Yeah. No one goes. Golden. Are you, Golden. Are you new here? I've never seen yeah. you before. I'm a proctologist. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> so they just walk straight in. I always think, you know, hospitals should just lock those things up. You could save. You would think thousands and thousands of assassinations every year in yeah. American hospitals if they just yes. stop yes. leaving their their fucking white lab coats and stethoscopes right. lying around. It's amazing the amount of. <laughs> assassinations right well now we're like you can come in bitch but we got covid um come on in if you if it's worth it but uh yeah 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 yeah. the other one that i love never get tired of this is when uh you again you're trying to infiltrate uh like usually a military base or something like that 
you uh, knock out a couple of security guards, sure, then you sure. put on their uniforms and they I've fit done. perfectly. Perfectly. Fit perfectly Stay every rude. time. Doesn't Stay matter. Rude. If one of your characters is like your height, three foot four, Doesn't matter. they knock out a six foot <laughs> fucking security yeah. guard. Tuck it into your put boots. uniform on. Fits yeah. perfectly. It doesn't Boom. look Done. weird. Doesn't ride yeah. up. Does it every time. Never get tired of those. They're like tropes. That's the <laughs> fucking word I was looking for. Tropes. Tropes. Yes. Cinema tropes. That I never those. get tired. But I really, I really like mobile phones. I think have fucked movies. Hasn't been a good yeah. movie made since mobile phones. Yeah. Because you can just oh, accept, yeah. accept. Oh, but the other one is, of course, oh, no reception. I can't get hold of them. Yeah, you know, right. I can't. I can't. I got no reception. They've got no reception. Please, you know, please. Yeah, yeah. that's the Hit only T-Mobile. way. Yeah, but, yeah. but the yeah. old days where you had to pull over and go to a phone booth to like call someone, look or up whatever. a number, and then yeah, you rip you know, the page out of the phone book because you need it. Yeah. So you're just taking the whole page with you. Those is John is John Connor at home? Yeah. You know, I need to I need to I need to I need to uh send uh, an icy pick through the telephone lines and stab you on the other end of the telephone. I need to it make a work. delivery. Like yeah. when 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 the T one thousand, no, was it the T one thousand? The what was the what was the good one? The liquid metal one. Was he the T one thousand? I I think it was the T one thousand. When the T one thousand assassinates uh, John Connor's uh, whatever stepmother, not stepmother, fucking whatever mother. Like, uh, what do you call it when somebody gets sent out to child protection services? They have a family um, host, foster. host family, foster, foster, foster mother. By sending a metal spike through the fucking phone lines. Yeah. Like, don't ask me. Like, in terms of physics, lazy, how that works? <laughs> lazy writing. Come on, no, it's fucking awesome. No, it, yeah, dude, and not, and come on, this is James. Nineteen ninety-two. That was right. like, but, but imagine doing that through an iPhone. Like, oh. yeah, no one. It's like what's going over the air. Like now, right. now, his. It's just you know, it, it, it would be harder to put, sell that. I mean, right. if you thought about it for a second in 1992, it was pretty hard to sell it as well. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. You, it breaks it down into electrons and, and then and sort then of it recomposites itself with nanotech on the other side. Let's probably, go with that. Maybe. Yeah, Let's go with something, that. something, something quantum, something, something. <laughs> you know, like Ant-Man <laughs> in a fucking Avengers film. <laughs> something, something, quantum bits, something, something. He shrinks oh. down to the level of quantums. You realize his body is made of atoms. You can't yeah. shrink an atom down into Smaller quantum than... size. Atoms are made of quantum fucking particles. You can't shrink an atom down to the Look. size of quantum particles. That doesn't make any sense. What the fuck is Ant-Man made out of? It's what I want to know. And, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is why I don't go to the movies with Cam anymore. <laughs> Chrissy and I and Taylor and his girlfriend went to see Bob Odenkirk's new film, Nobody, oh, the other yeah, day. Yeah, I want to see that. It's see fucking that. great. It's fucking right. great. You know. Yeah, Looking yeah. It's Christopher Lloyd, fucking great in it. Guess who's in it? Guess who plays <laughs> Bob Odenkirk's father-in-law? Michael motherfucking Ironside. Yes, he's back. <laughs> he's back. He's hell, oh, hell, Michael. Oh, hell, the <laughs> Ironside. Fat. He's really, really fat. He's Brando level fat. The voice. The voice. The voice. He's still got the voice. Yeah. He came yeah. on screen. Oh, I went, Woo! <laughs> I was the only person in the cinema, and everyone's like, what? I'm like, it's Michael Ironside. Everyone's like, what the oh, fuck are you talking yeah. about? I'm like, oh, you fucking heathens. It's Michael. Everyone get down and bow. It's Michael Ironside. 
Oh, oh my God. Anyway, Good times. Anyway, see, you know, there's a Pacific Ocean between with. us. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, where so were we? Eisenhower is the president of Columbia, but no. he's got all these other jobs because he's padding his resume. Yeah. <laughs> this seems like mm-hmm. a really long show. Uh, oh, I'm sure it is. Let's just do one two-hour show for this month. Fuck it. Fuck it. Uh, oh, my notes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap it up in a second. Um, yeah, Eisenhower, the, a lot of people weren't very happy about how little he yes. showed his face at Columbia University. They called him an absentee sure. president who right. was using the university for his own interests, really, Pretty much. is how they uh, felt about it. Yes. But during this time, he also created something called the Institute of War and Peace Studies, yes. a research facility whose purpose was to study war as a tragic social phenomenon. And we have not had a war since this institute was created. So good for you, Ike. Yeah, yeah you just uh, are blowing people up in peace. We come in peace, shoot to kill. Right. That kind peace of thing. is. <laughs> I, love me. I love me. Yeah. So, but, and also in December of 1950, he is made the Supreme Commander of NATO. He's still with Columbia, but he's got a lot of jobs going on right now. He doesn't even know which suit to wear anymore. He tried suit. to resign from Columbia yeah. University. He but said, they... No, we love you too much. That's what we're the being trustees told. Trustees of Columbia University yes. refuse to accept. They're like, no, 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 this is important. You need to, you need to hold this down yeah. while you do those other things. There's a reason. There's a the reason. staff and the faculty weren't yes. happy about the situation, but the yeah. trustees, the rich elite, yeah. knew what the purpose of this was. So, yes, he goes off to become the supreme commander of NATO. Nice. Nice job if you can get it. But Truman is still trying to fillet. I'm not even sure what word to use. Truman is still trying to suck up to him. Like, no, you got to run as president as a Democrat, this is very important, but it turns out that he doesn't like a lot of the Democrats' uh, positions, so he openly declares himself a Republican, and when he fucking do- does that, the Republican Party goes after him en masse, saying, you are our guy. Yeah. So, uh, November 1952, uh, he becomes uh, president, Republican president, um, tenders his resignation at Columbia and, uh, you know, he, he apparently thought that NATO is something that would be run by the Europeans. His view was that America's involvement and Canadian, Canada's involvement uh, right. would end in about 10 years. It was like, we're going to get this thing off the ground. Right. Then it's a European thing. None, got nothing to do with us. Right, uh, yeah. yeah, we're done. Yeah. We're going to set it up. Yeah. And then we're out. It's like like me with my first couple of marriages. Look, we're going to set this thing up, get it running, and then I'm out. And my work here is done. Uh, I impregnated you. You had children. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm I'm finished. That's my job. Biologically, evolutionarily, I've done my bit. Time to move on for a young Unlike America, I have spread my seed all over the place. You're welcome. Yeah. And I'm out at 5,000. Cameron yeah. Bukaki, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 
So yes. and, and yeah, I'm just gonna and just he has to before he becomes president, he has to win the nomination. He beats Robert Taft, the son of the the former yeah, president of William Howard Taft. We're, yeah, we're okay. out of time. Skip all that. But he, but he does have to take on Richard Nixon as his vice president to impress and make happy the old Republican guards, because Nixon's got this repu- strong reputation as an anti-communist. So they get what they want. They get Ike. He now wins the election. And they've got Nixon, and the, a younger man in the wings. So the Republicans are hoping to run the table for several, several years with these two guys. And we'll see what happens. And of course, his campaign slogan was developed by Barry and Stan, Neil Suck Crack. That was the original Campaign slogan. <laughs> Do you know what it was uh, switched to? American Bukaki. That was the second <laughs> right. second one. Phase they, two. They, they, you know, they they put it through some uh, test groups. Right. Yeah. Uh, it worked, but uh, it worked. they kept. I think we can do better. What, what did they yeah. come up with next? The the reality is they literally ran with the slogan, "I like Ike." And it fucking won because everybody liked Ike uh, because he helped win the war against the bad guy. So no no thought, no policy changes, whatever. I like Ike. Fuck me if it doesn't work. Well, rhymes. Like That's Barry and Stan said. If you can get a three-word slogan of rhymes. <laughs> Boom. You're in. Yeah. You're in they like started Flynn. off with. You're in like Flynn. Three <laughs> words, rhymes. <laughs> yeah. They started off with Ike's okay. And they were like, Ike, we, lo- we love Ike. We love yeah. Ike. No, no. I like Ike. Nailed it. You've done it in an Australian accent. Sure. I like Ike. Write that down. I'm not yeah. coming into work tomorrow. After I come up with yeah. a big one like that, I just take a couple of days off. Cheryl. Taking a year yeah. off. Taking the rest of the year <laughs> off. Yeah. Until the Coke runs out, you shan't mm. see my face. Yeah. Um, you know, he, the, the, the whole Nixon thing is really interesting because mm-hmm. obviously uh, – Eisenhower had um, been pretty pally with the Soviets and it, yes. and it was on record as saying that they didn't yep. want war. You know, he knew these guys relatively well, uh, you know, and uh, he was kind of closely tied with Roosevelt and Truman because of right. his involvement with their leadership during war. And they were obviously both positioned, Roosevelt in particular, and then Truman had to react to that as soft on communism, soft on the Soviets. Yes. He, moving to the Republicans and changing his stance on those things was part of it, but, yeah, it was decided that he needed Nixon on, on the point. ticket as as yeah. well. Um, the up. camp, Yeah, the campaign strategy uh, that they came up with was K1C, is what it was called. They were going to focus on the Korean War, communism and corruption. Oh, God. Right. Because that's unique to just one party. Sure. And, of course, Nixon had the whole uh, check is the dog thing happen during the campaign. He was accused of uh, having a a secret slush fund. Uh, And he was like, he cried and pulled his dog out and said, look, I've got a dog and I can fake cry. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Eisenhower also said in his campaign that if elected, he would go to Korea mm. and end the war there. I shall go to Korea, yeah. he famously said, and he would fix the mess in Washington. He would uh, drain the swamp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like someone else we're familiar with, 
He was positioned as an outsider, no real political yeah. experience. Good point. <clears throat> Good point. That uh, was going to clean up the swamp. Yes. But he'd been a government employee since 1915, had worked with uh, many people in Washington for many years, the elite uh, Columbia University. He was really an elitist power broker uh, who tried to position himself as just a simple old soldier who won just a regular, regular guy. guy. Just a guy. Doing my part. Doing my part for the country. He def- so he wins, and uh, I think he was going up against Adlai Stevenson, yes. the second. Yes. Um, pretty big win, landslide win, and he's the first Republican to be in the White House in 20 years. They also had a majority in the House and in the Senate, and mm. he was the last president born in the 19th century, the third commanding general of the army to serve as president. Yeah. Who were the first two, right? Um, what's his name? I'm looking right at him. Jackson and Grant? Washington and Grant. Washington, Grant. Well, Jackson was Andrew Jackson. He was in the military, but I don't know much, that much about him. Anyway. And he was the him. last president not to have held any prior political office until Donald J. Trump. So I am qualified. Huh? <laughs> Huh? Huh? Come on, tell me. Tell me I'm qualified. You are qualified for one thing. Neil Suck (laughs) Crack. (laughs) Oh, I'm overqualified, bitch. Anyway. So just to wrap up, uh, when he becomes president, a ceasefire had taken hold in Korea, and the advice that Eisenhower got straight away from his soon-to-be Secretary of State, John Foster Dulles, Mm -hmm. was to renounce the ceasefire, send armies across the demilitarized zone, and not rest until we have shown before all of Asia our clear superiority by giving the Chinese one hell of a licking. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't mean the good kind of licking that you get in uh, some bars in Hong Kong. Right. I Got mean, a happy ending. Yeah, right. yeah, the other kind of <laughs> licking. Yeah. He had three days of meetings with field commanders and diplomats and decided to ignore John Foster Dulles's advice. Good he accepted him. the ceasefire and agreed to end the war in a stalemate. He He said, listen, a new offensive would cost many lives. Yeah. It would turn into a much bigger, wider war. We don't know how that's going to end up. And I think uh, the best thing to do is just accept stalemate and uh, back out. Get out of the war. It's a bad war. (laughs) Which one? The first one or the current you know one? Pretty much all of them so far, thus far, thus far. All it's of just them. a stalemate. Anyway. What's the demilitarized zone in your um, marriages? The the doorway that leads to the bedroom. Um, ah, both, right. Yeah, Actually, you need to see Nobody, Odenkirk's film, because when it starts off, he's like a complete loser and his right. wife's a hotshot real estate salesperson and oh. she puts like a pillow barrier in between the two of them in bed. Yes. They haven't had sex in months. She pulled a Heather. He figures out how to fix that. Right. <laughs> is he just goes around and starts killing people. 
lots and lots and lots and lots of people, right? Then his wife wants to fuck his brains out. So I'm going to try that. I thought of you when I was Cheryl, watching the here. film, right? <laughs> but if I choke her, she gets turned on, I, and then the nipples get. Her. I do, I can't. I can't. Sorry, Cheryl. Yeah. Stay there. I'm like Cheryl and Archer. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Douglas MacArthur right. uh, was outraged over accepting the ceasefire. So were many Republicans in Congress who saw this as we literally had literally one job, mm-hmm. not to be weak on the communists. And the first thing that you do right. is accept a truce. If Truman had accepted a truce, he would have been impeached. Yes. They said. But, but a military uh, man. Eisenhower was popular. He was a military man, yep. and it was impossible for anyone to challenge him. Exactly. A couple of weeks later, Stalin died. Oh. But we'll have to leave that for the next episode. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. military buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere.